EcoHealth, your internet radio. Good afternoon and welcome here on Radio EcoHealth. And yeah, it's load shedding again. Once again, we just want to thank um, Eskong for that one. <laughs> uh, can't we just please get another electricity uh, provider or something in this country? Or just in total a new government? So we can actually move forward and not backwards. We're going back to gas lamps and all these lanterns and stuff. And with a diesel hike, we're going to have to get horses and horse-drawn carriages again. Yeah, and start staying in tents. Yeah, in tents, eh? Yeah. What the hell is going on? Devil, devil, you're on your soapbox there. End of rant now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you, by the way. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. It's um, a, my, my, my comments when I walked in um, are, not for, are not for public radio when I saw that you guys were on load shedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, it is, it, is actually, it is actually quite scary. I thought we saw notices coming out this morning that we were all on level four load shedding. Yeah. And I don't know, the, either the coal's wet or I don't know, maybe you're not getting electricity for Russia anymore or something, who knows. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it is. It's, it doesn't help. No. It doesn't help, and it doesn't help small business, and it doesn't help businesses create employment, and it doesn't. It just doesn't help. Yeah, whatsoever. And uh, with the fuel price increases looming, I saw scary posts coming that they're predicting a 40 rand per litre yeah. price for fuel. That's just insane. I still wanted to send that to you. That's just insane. That's insane, yeah. But but the plus the plus the plus of course of, of load shedding is as I drive into a little complex here, this oak's actually having a bry. <laughs> <laughs> so you walk in and you got the smoke and the smell of burrowos in the parking lot. Yeah. That's always a plus. Yeah, I know that's a plus point. <laughs> that's always a plus. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I mean we finished we finished off last week. I think we 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 were coming down the N three and we ended. Um, just, just short of, just short of Howick. We'd gone through those battlefield areas. We hadn't really explored those because that's that's in stories entirely on their own. And several, you know, need to put a little yeah, series together yeah. on the different different campaigns. Let's call them campaigns down that part of the world. Yeah. When you've got you got the foot trekkers and the Zulus. You got the first Anglo Boer War. You got the second Anglo Boer War. You got the Anglo Zulu War, and all of those are. Entangled in each other in sights. I mean, you can literally span all of them in one day and get yourself in a complete historical tangle, not understanding who did what, where, and what war. Yeah, all in that yeah. area. So <laughs> clearly, the KZN area is a good place to fight over. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but again, yeah, you look at it. That was the end target of the foot trekkers. They, when they left the the, the Cape. Well, one of their stated aims was to go settle in what was then KZN. Yeah. You know, they had they they weren't just disappearing into unknown territory. They would go. They had, you know, pioneers had gone through and people had explored it and hunters had seen those areas. So it wasn't entirely just going into the complete unknown. And they realised that that was seriously good, good countryside and beautiful farming area. Yeah. Yeah. So. Clearly, it's a lot. Of, there's, a, you know, the amount of fighting that went on in that area. Clearly, it's a good spot to to own. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe not as a good spot to own because someone's going to come and try and kick you off it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but uh, I think the first for the first spot we we're going to hit. We we've just sort of done a little bit through the Midlands meander, that beautiful little area around Nottingham Road, Lions River, with all the craft crafter shops and the. Yeah, the boutiques and the handmade leather goods and oh, the, yeah. all those yes. beautiful oh. area. That stunning, stunning little weekend getaway there and fantastic accommodation. You want to get spoiled, you go to a little spa somewhere down in the middle of the meander yeah. and you spend a weekend there and uh, just be be suspect of your credit card because it's going to get killed <laughs> when, you, when you go through there. Yeah. You do not come out of there unscathed. I know, <laughs> I've been there, I've done that. But anyways, if the first, the next little time that you actually hit is Howick. We were chatting about Howick last time because that's yeah. just outside of Howick is um, the Nelson Mandela capture site with that really interesting. Yes, that's right, yeah. 
just, I couldn't even call it a sculpture, that like mosaic freezy kind of thing where you stand at little <laughs> angles and you see Mandela's face come oh, out of it. All yes, that's funny. Yes, it's yes. like little sticks in the ground. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's absolutely an amazing statue. I mean, you've got, you got to stand back and admire the artistry of the guy making it, but I don't know what to call it. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. it's like a, it's like a fence with the profile in it. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but very very cleverly done. But um, but as you now go down down into Howick, Howick has got a couple of really interesting little spots. But I mean, again, there's a concentration camp memorial in Howick. Um, so just a, another one of the little sobering reminders of of that one. And the other interesting one is that there was actually a military hospital in Harwick, and you know, all the names of the British soldiers that died there in that hospital can also be seen there. There was a war memorial, and it's a, again, it's a, it's a slightly different war memorial down there because it's one of the very, very few that commemorates soldiers of all races on one memorial. Yeah. And that for South Africa is a bit weird because there was, yeah, even in, in World War One and World War Two. The men of color were not allowed to bear arms and had to yes. be in labor contingents yeah. and in the service battalions rather than in the front line. The guys that did make it to the front line were superb fighters. So, yeah, a bit of an indictment on the policies of the time. <laughs> yeah. If you go back to our border war, our best fighting battalions were battalions of color. 3 2 Battalion, as an example, one yes. of the, yeah. the most amazing fighting forces I think Africa has actually ever seen. But we come to one kind of interesting little spot which is the Howick Falls and that's one of the attractions in Howick is a beautiful waterfall literally just on the edge of town it's a 96 meters tall and sure. that is quite it's a, high. It's, a, no, it's a nice it's a very very pretty very very scenic waterfall and you can go down a very nice little commercial street with all sorts of very cool little shops so again Howick has turned in sort of into I mean we mentioned there's other little towns that are doing it um <coughs> That, that that you're getting the sort of kind of eclectic collection of like it's a it's an old um, antique shop and then oh, the, yes. the guys who import uh, clothing from Tibet and that kind of stuff and yeah. Indian clothing yeah. and you know and it's, it's just that nice little mix of interesting little shops and then the waterfalls down at the end of that road yeah very nice little viewing point and you can look down over the falls. Now, it, it, it has a Zulu name, but I'm not even going to try and pronounce it because I cannot do the Zulu <laughs> clicks properly, and I'll just embarrass myself. But it translates into um, Place of the Tall One, which is kind of apt, okay. because it's a very thin, uh, long, yeah. narrow, narrow, tall. It's, it's also got a bit of an evil reputation. Just over 40 people have been swept over the falls uh, and been killed. Okay. Um, I do also know that there was one idiot who tried to go over it in a beer barrel. Oh. You know, in the U.S., they've also got that thing where you go over the falls in a barrel yeah, or some moron yeah. tried this in South Africa, and I think it was at Howick, and he also he didn't survive it. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that's looking for trouble. Yeah, no, that is definitely looking for trouble. <laughs> but what to me is so fascinating about this little waterfall... I think he might have emptied the beer uh, barrel before I think he, he might have. Yeah, I think that was possibly... Was, <laughs> that was Blackbar Drunk Petroka. To paraphrase a very, very well-known South African song. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a Robbie Vessel song? I think so. That <laughs> <laughs> was drunk, but drunk out. And then you know the story's going south. But yeah. uh, there's an interesting local legend of this waterfall where there's a Zulu belief that there is a serpent-like creature that lives in the bottom of the falls called Inkanyamba. Okay. And it's a kind of serpent... And this particular one has got um, the head of a horse. Head of a horse. The head of a horse and the body of a serpent. Okay. And it is believed <laughs> that um, the Inkanyamba's anger causes the seasonal seasonal storms. But what interests me with this is that you've got these legends of these serpents... And it's not just a South African thing, it's a worldwide yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's worldwide, yeah. You've got um, the Kharip monster. That yeah. is the serpent that lives at the Okhrabi's Falls. Yes, yeah. And there's a, there's a legend about how it got angered because this particular s- serpent had a diamond in its head and the diamond got stolen. Ah, You've got okay. Inyami Nyami. 
in Lake Kariba. Yeah. The, the, the serpent god of the Zambezi. <coughs> and again, there you've got this, um, this serpent with the head of a fish. Yeah. And he's the god, the god of the Zambezi who actually looks after the tribes. And in Yami, Yami translates into meat. In Yama is meat. Okay. And yeah. in times of drought, he would come out and the locals would be able to take pieces of his body for sustenance. You've got um, the sacred python in Lake Fundudzi, the vendors yeah. uh, up, up near Tsanin. And it's all about serpents. And I've never quite worked yeah. out why it's a snake. Yeah. It's always a snake. Yeah, it's always a snake. And, just, if you look just, at, and then that's four uh, just in Southern Africa that, that, that I'm just mentioning here off the top of my head that I can remember. Yeah. And there's many legends right over the world. And all these stories about yeah. these And it's always, it's always some kind of snake, snake legend. Some yeah. serpent snake legend. And it's always a giant snake. It's never a small uh, one. It's always a big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, it just interests me that somehow in the psyche that this has come out. And there's one of the local ones there in this little town of Howick. And I just think that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is cool. In town, there's a, there's a little Umgeni museum. And one of the more interesting ones is this is a display on the capture of Winston Churchill. Ah. Winston yes. Churchill was uh, serving during the Anglo-Boer War and was captured just outside of Dundee when um, out of Ladysmith, the, the British had been besieged in Ladysmith and Churchill was caught in that lot Yes, and yes. the commander there armoured a local train, he took the train and he just hung great big sheets of steel and stuff over and chains and yeah. all sorts of stuff as, as armour plating on this train and he would send the train out to do reconnaissance and of course the Boers managed to derail this train one day <laughs> and they captured Churchill and uh, the Boers were very impressed with themselves that they caught this guy because he was a very well known figure yeah, yeah. But Churchill was taken to Pretoria, managed to escape from Pretoria, and he managed to get into neutral uh, Portuguese East Africa, Mozambique. Yeah, yeah. In, into Lorenzo Marx, and of course, very full of himself, made made his way back. And uh, <laughs> there's actually a little plaque in Durban on the on the on the on one of the pillars of the city hall that Churchill stood there and told about his death-defying adventures. Of escaping the Boers and ah, <laughs> when okay. he managed to circle back to come and rejoin <laughs> the British forces, <clears throat> but uh, there's there's also some good, some pretty cool stuff about the local businesses and stuff there in Howick. So a little town like Howick, again, it's one of those little spots that's worth turning off. Turn off the N3, get rid of your ASAP's disease, and go and look at these little towns and the little shops there and the waterfall and that kind of stuff just adds an awful lot of interest. So, I mean, you can even, even come in from the Midlands meander. You just stay on the old road. Yeah. And you come in past you come in past the Nelson Mandela site that's worth a stop and a look at. You come into into Howick, you've got all these other little spots and to see the and have a picnic or something at the waterfall. Yeah. And explore those little shops. Really, really cool. But then your the road eventually takes you down now into Peter Maritzburg. Yeah, you go you go past the Midmar Dam. We spoke about the Midmar yeah. Dam last time as well. And as you're now coming down that horrendous hill in Peter Maritzburg, I think it's a Fields Hill, I think it's called, where oh, all the yeah. truck accidents are. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy descent on that highway. But the first thing is you got the, what's called the Queen Elizabeth Park, which is the headquarters of um, the Isimvelo KZN Wildlife Organization. So that's the headquarters of the parks authority that looks after all the game parks and game reserves yeah, in yeah. KZN. And there's an interesting thing in KZN. They don't have any national parks in KZN. Oh, Many, okay. many moons ago, um, when the national parks was formed, and one or two of the bigger parks in KZN were offered to become part of the national park system, they declined it and said they can do a better job themselves than rather fall under a national authority. Uh, and they've always maintained that. Yeah, maybe uh, that was a good idea. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, K- KZN has got fantastic parks. I mean, I, I used to work for the Parks Board. And oh, yeah. uh, I've got some stories to tell from those days that uh, 
I mean, hilarious, absolutely hilarious stuff, running around with rhinos and lions in the middle of the night and catching crocodiles <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> all sorts of very, very okay. cool stuff. Yeah. But uh, I, think, I think they're suffering at the moment with the, with the finances more than anything else. Yeah. But all in all, I mean, they're doing a fantastic job. You go to those parks and along the coastline, you go to Tlecluhi or Falozi, the, the whole Drakensberg, the Drakensberg Park. The guys are doing a good job. Yeah. All things considered, and nature conservation has never been one of those organ. They, they've never, they never got spare money. It's yeah. always a kind yeah. of a grudge, grudge government expense to send it out to, to nature conservation. They'd rather buy BMWs <laughs> and and uh, yeah. and Bentleys. Yeah. But uh, the, the KZN parks are fantastic. So you've got the the Queen Elizabeth Park. Cause there's not there's not much there. I mean, it's got a little bird garden. It's set in some beautiful forest, so there's a little walking trail around it. But it's not a place to set, visit as such. Yeah, yeah. You've also got the um, the KwaZulu Natal National Botanical Garden in Peter Maritzburg. Ah. and that's that's really cool. We've got a very cool cycad garden there. <coughs> there's also some beautiful natural forests, and they've got a little thing called an insect hotel. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> that sounds interesting. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, again, it's a very interesting little concept, and I'm starting to see in these in 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 the lo- in the local markets. You know, you get like a weekend market that sets up in a yeah, in one of yeah. the one of the, the the parks or something. Yes. And there's a crowd out there that are starting to sell what is called a bee hotel. Ah, okay. And you're starting to see the things now at the at the at, at like a. The bigger supermarkets or the bigger kind of hyper stores in their gardening sections. It's like a little, it's shaped like a house. I mean, it doesn't have to be shaped like a house, but it's shaped like yeah. a house so people recognize what it is. And you'll <laughs> see little pieces of bamboo stuck in it and little sticks and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. And it's an insect hotel. And okay. I, I, I bought one or two of these, the original thing called a bee hotel. Now, all it is, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a block of wood that's been nicely shaped and it's got a little roof on it and a couple of little pretty things stuck on it. Yeah. But the front of it is just a series of holes drilled into it in different sizes. Okay. You hang this up in your garden and all sorts of insects come and nest in it. Okay. And a whole lot of, and I mean, when we think of bees, we always think of those, uh, the African honeybee in the big <laughs> nest and swarm that are going to sting, sting you. Yeah, but yeah. there are thousands of other bee species that are solitary bees. Oh yes, and they are probably the most important pollinators that we actually have. Okay, and because in the gardens and especially the in 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 the towns, people don't leave dead wood lying around anymore. Yeah, so there's no nesting sites for these insects left. Yes. So if you put up the bee hotel, and I did this at my house, and one little hotel's got about, I don't know, let's call it 30 or 30, 30 or 40 little holes in the front of it. Okay. And within three weeks, they've all been occupied. <laughs> Yo, okay. And you can sit and you watch them, and you, you see these little bees coming in, and they come in, and they, 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 they go into the little hole, and they turn around, and then you, they're going in, and then they actually paper up the front, and now they've laid their eggs and stuff in there, yeah. and they're helping keep your garden healthy. Yes. So those insect hotels are really cool. And I don't okay. know. If, I don't know. Maybe the idea actually came from from this lot down in in Peter Marisburg for okay. that, like I don't know, call it a commercial operation now. But it's, yeah. it's worth buying one for your garden. I mean, we often sit at home in the braai, and we've got one hanging up in the braai, and you actually watch the little bees, <coughs> the, the, the little bees and the little wasps and things all coming, and they're all stingless. I mean, they don't, they're not going to hurt you. Yeah. And it's just fascinating to watch them, all the different weirds and shapes and sizes, and long ones and thin ones and big ones and small <laughs> ones and green ones and blue ones, all coming into this little bee hotel. Yeah, I know. I know about the ant farms. You know. Yeah, I know about those. But there's a little so bee hotel you can buy buy for your for your garden. Yeah, that is really really cool. You've also got the the KwaZulu Natal Museum, and something that made me hugely positive this last week as I actually saw some some articles or a newspaper release or something that the museums have reopened. There's oh, a lot wonderful. of the places we chatted about in the last in the, in the podcasts. <laughs> Because of COVID and lockdowns and stuff, really took a hammering, and a lot of them shut down. Yeah. So when I say, guys, this is a very cool little museum in a little town or something, I honestly, right now, would not be able to tell you if it's open or closed. Yeah. Because yeah. of this, the, 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 the wreckage of, of lockdown. But I saw now that the KwaZulu-Natal Museum in Peter Marisburg is reopened, and it's one of our major museums. Yeah. yeah. It's got a beautiful zoology, ornithology um, section a lot of the cultural history of Peter Marisburg and the surrounds, 
of it there. And an interesting one there, they've actually got a reconstruction of a bird called a moa. A moa was a bird that originally came out of New Zealand. And it was the world's largest flightless bird. The thing's about three or four times the size of an ostrich. Oh, That's a massive, (laughs) massive, massive bird. But they were hunted to extinction in New Zealand when humans eventually arrived there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it also got a very nice um, reconstruction of a historic section of Peter's Marisburg inside the museum. So a really, really cool little spot to visit. And one of the largest art museums in South Africa is also in Peter Marisburg called the Tatham Art Gallery. Okay. And it's got a lot of permanent exhibitions of South African artists. Um, Some of the European artists is there. Obviously, the KZN artists are in the main exhibition room. Yeah. But you wouldn't yeah. expect that in Peter's Marisburg. It's one of the largest. You'd expect that in, in, in Cape Town or, yeah. or Johannesburg, but it's actually in Peter Marisburg. And, um, yeah, like I say, one of, the, one of the biggest art museums in South Africa. Then you've got the Mahatma Gandhi Monument. <laughs> and the Mahatma Gandhi Monument's in Peter Marisburg because that's where Mahatma Gandhi was thrown off the train. He oh, bought, he'd bought okay. a first-class ticket in Durban, and he was on his way to Johannesburg. <laughs> and because of the color and race laws in South Africa at the time, a conductor literally threw him off the train because he was sitting in a whites-only compartment. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, this 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 um, really antagonized him. Yeah, and that was almost the start of one of his pacifist movements. And the recognition of, of human rights, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, and that actually started there in Peter Maritzburg. So, okay, my country got a statue there. You've got to, of course, you, we've got to have Queen Victoria there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. Queen Victoria is just out, outside, outside the city hall. But again, a little bit interesting one is that um, Victoria was also what they called the Empress of India at the time. Right. And, and she had a servant called Abdul Karim. And Queen Victoria could actually speak very, very basic Urdu. Okay. She learnt Urdu from her Indian manservant. Okay. I think that's also kind of kind of Yeah, cool. that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and in okay, I mean the, the the actual story of Queen Victoria is incredible. If you think of the the power and the the yeah. scale of that British Empire at the time. Yeah. But her links with South Africa, obviously. Um, she was on the throne at the time of the Anglo-Zulu War of 1879. And at the end of that war, King Tetswayu had been captured. And Victoria actually had an audience with King Tetswayu okay. as well. So, a lot, of, a lot of influence from her. But another very, very cool spot in Peter Maritzburg is the Comrades Marathon Museum. Oh, Okay, I didn't and know there yeah, was a museum the, the like Comrades that. Marathon Museum. The first, the first race was run in 1921. Sure. And okay. um, that's before the Titanic sank. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just had to throw that yeah. in. 47 <laughs> entries and only 34 starters, of which 16 people finished. Sure. And the name Comrades Marathon is actually a reflection of World War One. In memory of the comrades lost in battle and lost in the war. That's oh. where the name, the Comrades Marathon, comes from. Okay. So it was like a, the guys had returned from the war, yeah. and this, this, someone dreamt up this, this, this idea of running from, from Peter Marisburg to Durban. Yeah. Okay. And that's where the name actually comes from. And uh, 34 starters, 16 guys finished. And the winner of the race was a guy by the name of Bill Rowan. So for those of you who have ever earned the Bill Rowan medal, ah. that's where that name comes from. And he finished the race. He won the race in 8 hours and 59 minutes, sure. which to this day still stands as the longest ever winning time. Okay. <laughs> longest ever. The longest. Okay. The longest ever winning time. Um, right now, I mean, the, the record now is hovering around the five and a half hours or six hour mark or something for the for these guys. Goodness gracious! Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's beautiful to watch. <laughs> but um, the Bill the Bill Rowan Medal was introduced in, in the millennium year in two thousand, and it's awarded to those runners who fail to achieve the sub seven hour thirty, but who finish within nine hours to commemorate oh. his. 
eight hours fifty nine minutes. Oh, awesome! Okay, and that's kind of <laughs> cool. He yeah, did it eight hours fifty nine. Cool. So inside nine hours, you get a Bill Rowan medal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I mean, if you think about it, this this year, I, I, the Conrad's, I don't think it's been run for two years now. I speak on a great yeah. definitely not the last year, but it might now be two years. Yeah, yeah. But it is scheduled again for this year on the 28th of August. Okay. The Conrad's Marathon is back 28th of August, and it's a down run. They call it a down run because the Conrad's alternates. The one year it's run from Peter Marisburg to Durban. The next yeah. year it's run from Durban to Peter Marisburg. Yeah. So they consider Peter Marisburg to Durban downhill. And they consider Durban to Peter Marisburg uphill. Ah, okay. I'm not convinced that it's uphill or downhill. I think it's both both ways, and it's a, I yeah. think it's a horrendous distance to try and run. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's it's one of these amazing events. I mean, if you think about it, it started off with six what with thirty thirty four runners, yes. and now I mean I went through a bit of the history of the comrades. Now the the entries always seem to hover around the twenty thousand people mark. Whoa. That's that's huge. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. I mean, people come from over the whole world to run. It's one of the world's greatest ultra marathons. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's one of these televised events, and it's just, it's just fantastic to watch. And it's always sort of at that nine-hour cutoff time. You see yeah. these guys coming into the stadium, and you can just see they putting absolutely everything in to yeah. beat that, to beat that pistol at the cutoff time. If you miss <laughs> yeah. that pistol by one second, you don't get your medal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh, that that's a kind of cool one, but the name the name Peter Maritzburg originally comes from the Fortrekkers, and it's a combination of two Fortrekker names, as Gerrit Maritz and Peter Tief. Ah, okay. Peter Peter Tief. Yeah. Gerrit Maritz Maritz. So Peter yes. Maritz Berg. Yeah. And both of these characters have got statues standing outside a little spot called Church of the Vow. Oh, okay. Now, if you go back to my Blood River podcast and the lead up to the Battle of Blood River, and we've yeah. just been through that area. We haven't really explored that area, but that whole area from Harwick up through to um, Escort. Yeah. As you're driving that you're on the <coughs> right hand, on, on your right hand side, if you're driving towards Durban, you've got the Darkenburg Massif. That you can see in the distance. Yeah. And that is the whole area of Sailar, of Viennan, of Blokrans, and that's yeah. the massacre after Petritif's murder <laughs> by Dingan. Yeah. So this whole area plays a huge role in that story. So, you know, the Fortrekkers had come over the mountains and had settled. And again, if you go back to that podcast, there's that little story about. Um, the, the treaty with Dingaan that was found in Petrotif's body. And I question the validity of that actual treaty. Yeah. Because uh, in a little leather saddle pouch for nine months or whatever it was. Yeah. In the wind and rain and stuff. I, Yeah. Anyway, interesting. <laughs> but uh, so Petrotif is killed by Dingaan because the Fortrekkers had settled in, in that area. Yes. And the Zulus maintain they were not told to come. The foot trackers maintained they were given permission da-da anyway this is used in the in the in the murder of Petra Tiff and again there's question marks on the actual motivation behind the murder of Petra Tiff in the in the kraal but Dingan sends his his impies out and tries to wipe out the foot tracker settlements in that area it didn't work completely eventually here comes old Andres Pretorius down, and he puts together the whole commando, and he beats Dingaan up at the Battle of Blood River. Ah, Dingaan yes. has to flee, and if, if you remember, there's that one statue of Dingaan just north of um, the Pongola Dam, yeah. up in the mountains, just on that border there with Eswatini, Swaziland. Yes. Dingaan is killed, killed by the Swazis. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... The two statues there in front of the Church of the Vow. Now, if you remember that vow, the vow was basically that should the foot trackers gain victory on day of battle, yeah, they would forever remember that day as a holy day, etc. So, 16 yes. December 1838, 16 there comes the Battle of Blood River, yeah. and this little party of foot trackers beats up this massive Zulu army, and the foot trackers took that as a sign from God. 
that God was on their side and they had they were on the side of righteousness and yeah. and, and and the church of the vow is exactly that it's the church based on the covenant that they had with God that's why it's called church of the vow yeah and that little original church is still there to be seen in um in Peter Maritzburg and in the in the actual church there's um a couple of nice displays about the great trick and for some other reason government has, has decided that a bit of anti-apartheid movement memorabilia needs to be displayed uh, there as well so i don't know if they okay. start if they're thinking that blood river is the start of apartheid or something I'd, yeah i, I yeah. cannot tie these two up together yeah, yeah. but uh, so so be it the powers that be have decided to do that but i mean the, the two statues in front there the Petritif statue again. Kurt Steinberg is one of those names that keeps on filtering through our narrative. Most amazing sculptor. He yeah. actually did the one on um, on Petritif. And Petritif again. What he was like elected the first governor of the Fort Trekkers before he was murdered. And then of course then you got Gerrit Moritz, who was um, again one of the leading figures. He eventually died in 1838. Yeah. Um, close, close to Soilar. Soilar was one of those places that was involved in the um, Zulu attacks. Yes. So that's that's actually worth going. And even if you stay on the N3, it's not a big deal to quickly swing down off the N3, and uh, you can you can take it. I think it's the the Church Street. It's the Church Street turnoff into the city center and it's literally five or six blocks down and you're at the church of the vow okay peter marisburg unfortunately has taken a bit of a hammering at the moment it's becoming a little bit dirty and run down and there's a there was a lot of concern whether the church of the vow would actually actually survive yeah but it seems to have um managed to battle <coughs> through and and keep going there's another there's another couple of little interesting spots there in in peter marisburg again one of the museums it's an old one of the old um victorian houses mcrory house unfortunately it was closed it was a very nice little museum and belonged to a guy named william mcrory was bishop of peter marisburg okay in the in the mid 19th century again one of the little haunted places apparently there's a woman in white that, that <laughs> runs around there at night you got the original Burger Street prison as well down there. And that's one of the oldest government buildings that still survives in in Peter Marisburg. And uh, a couple of interesting people were put in there. King Dini Zulu was actually held there. Oh, Dini okay. Zulu ran or was instrumental in what they called the Bambata Rebellion. Okay. Uh, and he was put in prison there from 1907 to 1909. And the other little spot there is called the Bainsfield Museum, another old Victorian house. You've got to remember that, that Durban Peter Maritzburg dates back to those times, the Victorian era, Queen yeah, Victoria, etc., yeah. etc. Et so we've got that there as well. And um, the Bainsfield Museum is a little museum that, that, that shows the lifestyle of a British cellar at the height of the Victorian era. And it's just a nice little memory back yeah. to, um, to actually what, what life was was possibly like there but then peter marisburg's also got some pretty cool military connections and again it's a sign of the times here that our old south african i don't want to call them colonial regiments or traditional regiments is probably a better better name for it so basically in all all in in name only have, have sort of more or less been disbanded they've all been renamed yeah, yeah. and uh so we've lost lost all those old names but uh a lot of them managed to keep museums going because they put their museums into trust and into a non-profit organization etc rather yes. than leaving it as part of the 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 South African defense force structures and they managed to give then a couple of the regiments have kept their museums alive by doing that and there's one of the better ones is actually sitting in peter marisburg for a unit that used to be called the royal natal carboneers okay and the royal royal natal carboneer trust have got a little museum in there 
And they are one of, I think they're possibly even the oldest regiment in South Africa, dating back to 1855. Sure. Wow. Yeah. And you can imagine, I mean, from 1855, the number of campaigns and wars and battles and and things that that regiment has been through. Yeah. And in that in that museum is stuff right from the Natal colonial era right through to the 20th century. So, I mean, those names yeah. only changed now very, very recently. So there's a lot of artifacts in there from ex-servicemen and a lot of stuff that gets taken as souvenirs off the battlefield. I mean, old Nazi flags and Italian <laughs> stuff from World yeah. War II. And, yeah, all that kind of stuff is in these museums. And there's a couple of other ones still also in private hands dotted around South Africa that are worth having a look at. But uh, I'm going to do a quick punt here. You, you've got, you have to download the app to get the phone number to go and have a look at that museum because we've got yeah. the phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Who so, would want a Nazi flag? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know, those museums are just amazing. If you look at what those soldiers actually went through, and how they survived, and you look at the photos, and these guys are sitting in the desert in Libya, and then they running up Italy and getting the Germans out of the, out of the Italian mountains, and then yeah. they're in in Abyssinia fighting the Italians, and you know, <laughs> all and, uh, over. Just, uh, yeah, World War One, the trenches in World War One. I, I mean, it's another absolutely horrendous, absolutely horrendous occasion. But uh, yeah. all those all those regiments went through there. But touching on World War One. Peter Marisburg has also got a very, very interesting little spot in what's called the Alan Wilson shell hole. Now, the, when you call something a shell hole, it's a memory to World War One, and the shell hole is sort of the holding organization of a group of guys of the moths, the memorable, memorable order of uh, Tanats, uh, which was an organization, okay. worldwide organization, formed after World War One for returning servicemen. Yes. And it's a charitable organization, and... The moths still look after old age homes and little cottages for ex-servicemen. Yeah. And they're a massive, massive charity organization. They're taking strain at the moment. So next time, before you donate any money, you can maybe consider looking at the moths. Yeah. Because they, de- they definitely need the help. I mean, I know several people heavily involved in the moths and there's still monthly food parcels and stuff to people. Yeah. But yeah. the Alan Wilson Shellhole Moth Garden of, Remem- of Remembrance has got something called the weeping cross from delville wood the weeping cross the weeping cross from delville wood okay. now delville wood was one of the most devastating battles for the south african brigade stationed <clears throat> in belgium at the time and july 1916 and looking at the the actual battle they were fighting over nothing it was a little salient or a little like and when you talk about a salient, it's like a little pimple that sticks <laughs> into the other guy's into the other guy's territory. And yeah, yeah. the brass had decided that this little piece of land was an invaluable strategic value, so the order was hold it at all costs. And the South African Brigade that got sent in there, three thousand and thirty-two men and one hundred and twenty-one officers were sent into that battle. Okay. 755 officers and men survived. Sure. Wow. And you see photographs of that. Now, I've been to the battle. I've been to Delville Wood and where the current memorial (coughs) and stuff is at the moment. And it's forest. But you see pictures of that battle. It's just mud. There's Everything that's a tree has been blown to shreds. It is gone. And it was six days. It was six days of hell for these guys. And it's a hell of a story. But some of the trees, or one or two of the trees that survived, were actually taken and made into memorials. Okay. And there's three of these crosses that that were made. I know where two are, and I'd have to, I'd have to, and I can off my head, I, can, I know where two of them are, but I don't know where the third one is. But the interesting part about this is the battle was in July 1916 and every year in July this particular cross oh, at yeah. this moth shell hole weeps some of the sap okay well 
Okay, and there's awesome. there's never been any explanation for it. It's not yeah. weather. It's not temperature. It's but in July, battle was July. Every July, this cross weeps. Yeah, a bit of its sap in this in 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 this little memorial there. So, and no one knows why. <laughs> yeah, that is quite. Interesting and creepy at the it's same time. It's kind of creepy, but a hell of interesting <laughs> as well. I know one other Delverwood cross, and that's up here in Johannesburg in the Transvaal Scottish Museum up in Parktown. Yeah. And I'd have to really research where, where number three is. I'm, I'm pretty sure it can't be too hard to find. But um, just off the top of my head, I don't know where the, where the third one is. But for any war in, in historians and stuff, it's just an interesting little spot there. Yeah. And then another interesting one is just outside of Peter Marisburg is an Italian prisoner of war church. In that Second World War, South Africans fought up in uh, Ethiopia, Abyssinia at that stage. And that was Italian-held territory. That was an Italian colony. Yeah. So in those battles, we captured Italian prisoners of war. And they were brought back here to South Africa. And again, an interesting one there is if there's a little town called Coffeefontein. There's still a picture of um, Benito Mussolini as you go into Coffeefontein, because that was also where one of the prisoner of war camps was. There's another one just outside of Cullinan in Pretoria. Okay. And down here in Peter Maritzburg, there was also one of these um, camps. And the Italians, of course, fantastic artisans, stonemasons, sculptors. And instead of sitting there in a in a lonely prisoner of war camp, they actually built this beautiful little yeah. church. Okay. And it's an absolutely stunning, stunning, stunning little piece of architecture. And uh, that you can go and see that. I mean, again, if you look at uh, the Transvaal Scottish Museum here in, in Johannesburg, it's housed in the house that used to belong to Thomas Cullinan. Thomas Cullinan is the guy who owns the Cullinan diamond mine. Ah, Cullen and Diamond okay. Mine is where the Star of Africa was found, and the Star of Africa is the stone that is the main stone in the yeah. jewels of the Queen of England. Yes, in the crown. Yeah. But Cullen, because he owned the Cullen and Diamond Mine, was very close to what's called the Zonderwater prisoner of war camp, also where the Italians were held. Yeah. And he managed to okay. use a lot of these guys to come and paint his house here in Parktown. So the whole house is, be- <laughs> okay. is painted beautifully with friezes, all hand-painted friezes yeah. and stuff, done by the Italian prisoners, prisoners of war. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's all Italian flavor. So there's a, lot of, there's a bit of yeah. Italian flavor here. But we'll get on to this other little part, interesting. But and then if you, once, once you leave Peter Maritzburg, you're now more or less coming into Durban. You're, out, you're, 90, you're 90 k's away from Durban. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of rolling hills, and eventually you sort of go over Cato Ridge, and you get out towards Hillcrest. And the outlying part of Durban there is Pine Town. Pine Town. And um, do you think we must quickly go listen to that song that you? I chose think yes, that song I put up for you. Yes, yes. Let's listen yeah. to one. Of the, let's listen to one of my favourite. My, my, this is the the iconic South African travel song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to know: is there a particular reason why you chose that one? And I think you well, you just gave it to us basically. Okay, and it's Ah Please Daddy by what's the guy called again? Um, J- Jeremy Taylor. Jeremy Taylor, that's the one. Yeah, there we go. Ah oh, please, Daddy. Fuck! Right, and we're back on the <laughs> road trip show. <laughs> yeah, that was an old iconic one, that one. Old, only eight hours in the Chevrolet. There only we go. Eight hours. To get into Durban. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They must have driven very slowly. No, no, that's on the old <laughs> R101 that still went through the old oh, little dorpies in a single lane little road through the mountains, single lane over Van Rienens. Oh, yes. No, he was moving. Okay. To do that in eight hours, that Chevy was moving. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, there we go. <laughs> yeah, now, as we're coming into Durban, I, 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 as we got into Durban, I just suddenly thought of old Jeremy Taylor and uh, Ach, please, Daddy, eight hours into Durban. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But as you're coming into Pine Town, there's a couple of very, very interesting names that you can see there on the map because you're going through New Germany. Oh, I don't know. We yeah, had you something go, like you that. You go through a spot there <laughs> called New Germany. 
And if you go, I'm just trying to think what those other names are. Um, but there's a huge history of German settlers that came into into KZN at the, at the time. And the museum there is there's a Bertheil, Bertheil Local History Museum, named, named after a guy by the name of Jonas Bertheil. Okay. And it's, it's Durban Westfall's oldest building. And a whole lot of German settlers came in because of this character, Jonas Bertheil. And they came and worked for the Natal Cotton Company. Okay. And they actually gave their names there to that entire new German, German, uh, new Germany settlement. Okay. So that that's an interesting, just a little little interesting aside there. And uh, again, I, my my, my memory, I think my memory's going here. In that <laughs> I just just forgetting forgetting these 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 interesting names. I think there's a there's a I think there's a Hamburg up that side of the world as well. And there's a you know. Couple good, good couple German of German, names. German town names yeah. that just seem to have appeared there, <laughs> and then you got the Pine Town Museum and um, and library, and it's got a, again it's got a cultural diversity of that area, but an interesting part there is it's actually got a replica of the famous hominid Mrs. Pless, Plessyanthropus, oh, yeah, that yeah. hominid that was discovered up in Stirkfontein. Yes. But, uh, there's also a very good archaeology section that's that, that's 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 in the museum. And a very very nice Zulu cultural display in there as well. And yeah, again, these little museums unfortunately tend to get overlooked in the in the bigger picture, and they they really struggle sometimes to to actually keep the doors open and to keep the stuff yeah. keep the stuff going. So that's like I said. It was actually good news to see that press release that that museum in P, in in uh, Peter Maritzburg. Is actually open, yeah. opening up again, but uh, that sort of now brings us right now to the end of the N three. Because okay. as you now go down through Westville, you're coming down now through Berea, and uh, just as you hit there, you actually crossed over the N two. Ah, oh, okay. And the N two being that lovely, lovely long highway that we travelled all the way. From Cape where to where? Cape Town to, to uh, uh, something bridge. Ermelo. Ermelo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, I think that that's the, your Durban, Peter Marisburg, Harry Smith, Johannesburg Highway. And a lot of people just travel that thing. I mean, you literally can do it in six hours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful highway. I mean, there's a couple of toll gates, but it's cruising all the way through. Yeah. But... I do honestly think that if you take a little bit of time, it could actually literally, you could actually spend five, six days exploring that area. Yeah, coming coming down on that highway if you just get rid of this 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 Arsop's disease, disease yeah. <laughs> and come down. But uh, like old Jeremy Taylor says in that song, you know, Durban is one of, or was unfortunately one of the holiday meccas yeah. of South Africa. The Golden Mile in Durban, the last numbers I've got in my head, yeah. that beachfront has got over 300,000 hotel beds. Sure. Gives you an idea of the scale <clears throat> of the accommodation and, and the attraction of that beachfront. Yeah. Look, it's beautiful beaches. It's, it's warm water, stunning beaches. I mean, those hotels along that beachfront were absolutely stunning. You've got the mini town there. You had the old Durban Aquarium. Yeah. You had the Snake and Reptile Park. That stuff's all gone. A lot of that stuff has now moved down to Ushaka Marine World. Ushaka Marine World is again, it's, it's a, the aquarium there is yeah. a world class aquarium. It's, a, it's it's definitely definitely worth a visit. Yeah. And the Ushaka complex. That's again, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a it's a good stop. Some nice little restaurants. Some interesting little shops there. Um, the aquarium for me there is is the actual attraction. It's right there on the harbour. Durban is trying hard. Last time I was in Durban, you can see that that harbour area is definitely trying to get get revamped. I mean, that was a horrible, dingy, yeah. it was a yeah. terrible part of Durban. But that is definitely being revamped. There's high class and expensive real estate going up there, new flat buildings, new apartments, very nice shopping areas going up. So Durban's trying really, really hard to revamp its tourist industry. Yeah. But uh, I think it's got a bit of an image problem at the moment, the, yeah. the old... 
The old crowd that used to go to Durban for those family holidays has moved north and south out of Durban. Yeah. They've definitely yeah. got a bit of a crime problem in Durban on the beachfront. You, you do not leave your stuff on the beach when you go for a swim, that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's, it's a bit unfortunate because it is really, it's a really, really nice, very, very pleasant spot. That uh, we can explore Durban some other time. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of just I'm just looking at my at the highways that we need to explore. We've done we've done the N1, the N2, the N3. Um, we haven't quite done the entire N4. We did a little bit of the N4 where it stretches south of, of the Kruger National Park, but the N4 even stretches all the way from Lobatsi in Botswana right through to Kamatiput. So we certainly okay. haven't done yeah. done any of that. Now I'm trying to work out whether we do it via highway length or just via highway number so uh, <laughs> if you look at if you actually look at look at the length of these highways the next longest yeah. one is actually the n12 n12 okay it's actually the n12 which is george oatson beaufort west bends up through kimberley clarkstall potch through yeah. johannesburg and goes all the way to emalachleni yeah that's actually the n12 yes and that's that's a, that, that, that that's a quick that's a quick 1300 kilometers Oh yeah. So that that one's sort of coming in after N two N one, N two two thousand two hundred, N one one thousand nine hundred. Then your next one coming in is the N twelve. So twelve. Okay. I'll, I'll have to decide which one which one we want to do next. <laughs> well, <laughs> or maybe we do a little town or two, or maybe we just do one of the one of the battles or wars or something in South Africa. Yeah, we'll decide. Yeah. No, because we've uh, already spent a lot of time on Durban. Um, in uh, one of the earlier podcasts, we did spend some time there. No, we did. We had a, we had a very nice one in Durban. So we've done a, we've done quite a bit of Durban already. But uh, yeah, like when we've spoken about it, I'm I'm on the road for another three weeks now. So that's going to be some fun, and hopefully come back with a lot of cool, cool stories. Oh yes, and please do do <laughs> some stuff that I don't think our tourism business, our tourism industry, hasn't seen this kind of stuff now for about two years, two and a half years. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see what has survived, what has happened, how the hotels are doing, how these little yeah. villages and things have managed managed to survive the pandemic. Yeah, I think that would be quite interesting. And we really, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what 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 comes out of it and who who's managed to stay standing after these two years of lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I see we're basically at the end. So, well, go take a look at the, the Road Trip SA app. Uh, you can find it on the app stores. Just go take a look at it. And don't forget about the Pit Stops app. Um, yeah, I went and downloaded it um, on the weekend. I went and downloaded it eventually. <laughs> I've been wanting to download that thing now for ages. <laughs> And then I forget about it. Uh, but yeah, now I've got it. But in any case, hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, yeah, so next week, um, I'm not even sure if I'm going to be here next week to put up a show, uh, one of our previous shows. I'm not sure when I'm going to be in Joburg recording. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll see closer to the time. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys again. Let's play out with uh, some music and uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Awesome, guys. Chat to you in a week or two. Have fun.